Welcome to Sibling Cinema, I'm Dennis. And I'm Bonnie. And we are here counting down the Oscar winners for Best Picture, from Worst to Best. And we are all the way up into the teens, number 18. 18, yes. So what do we have in store today? Today we're going to be talking about Unforgiven. Yes. From 1992. Yes. What's your history with Unforgiven? Yeah, that's this was the first time I saw it. I didn't. Okay. Yeah, I, I guess I'm. I must have known. I must have heard of it because. Yeah. Uh, I guessed Clint Eastwood after we talked about it, so right. I somehow associated that, and it is in fact a Clint Eastwood movie. Yes. He is. not only is he starring in it, but like he does everything. Yeah. Well, he didn't write it, but he directed it and uh, produced it. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you did eventually get um, last week that it's a Western, or guess that it could have been a Western. Once I remembered Clint Eastwood, then I was like, well, because he usually does. Well, except for the other Clint Eastwood movie that we watched was not a Western. Yes, yeah, so he directed two Best Picture winners. Um, Because he's done a lot of Westerns, right? Yeah, well, he got to start acting in Westerns. Okay. Um, I think his first directorial movie was. West, I think it was either uh, the Outlaw Josie Bales or High Plains Drifter. Um, I don't remember offhand which came first, but directed westerns first. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, um, so start off with a little trivia question because okay. um, I'm sure if you were watching Unforgiven for the first time, you must have recognized a lot of faces. Yes. In fact, we've already podcasted about five movies that feature cast members from Unforgiven. Yeah. Okay. I wonder how many can you name? Ooh, not five. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, certainly Gene Hackman. Mm-hmm. He was in um, a movie that was star- uh, took place in the 70s. I called it a buddy cop movie, but you said yeah. it wasn't. But it was... Um, it wasn't that long ago. No, it wasn't too long ago. Uh, wait, where is it in there? Is it, is it, is it that one over there? The French yeah. Connection. The French right. Connection, yes. yeah. Yeah, okay. really stuck in your mind there. <laughs> uh, let's see, Morgan Freeman? Yes. Has he been in any movies we've watched? Yes. Yeah. Uh, what's he Should been be in? the easiest one. Another one with Clint Eastwood. Oh yeah, we've watched another one with Clint Eastwood. <laughs> we just talked about it. We did. It wasn't Amadeus. They weren't in No Country for Old Men. No, we just talked about it. A million dollar baby. Oh, million dollar baby. Yeah. That's right. They were both. Yeah. Were they both in that? Yes, they were. They were both in that. I don't think you're gonna get all five then. <laughs> So I recognize those two. Uh, I don't. Who else did we know? There was a woman that looked vaguely familiar. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was she in a movie that we've seen. <laughs> <laughs> you give up? I give up. <laughs> this is painful for everybody, <laughs> yes, right? Right. Uh, so we have the French Connection and Million Dollar Baby. Of okay, course. that's right. Oh, um, that guy! I did not recognize him as the tall, skinny one. Yeah, skinny in um, yeah. the brothel owner or the billiard parlor owner in. Don't tell me that was from the cop movie. You should tell me. 
Well, you really like Sad this movie, Saturday lights are... In the, of, in the heat of the night, okay. Yes. <laughs> it had the night thing. Yeah. Wow, I'm terrible. Wait until you've had more coffee. <laughs> so, I should play this game. Yes. Uh, Richard Harris plays English Bob in Unforgiven, and we saw him in Gladiator. Oh, as he did not look familiar to me. He's not oh. one that I would have... Yeah, he I was also the first Dumbledore. Yeah. In the first two, two movies. Then he passed away. I think in the third movie he was okay. And then wait, in the trilogy that we watched, no, Dumbledore is Dumbledore is, is <laughs> Harry Potter. It's Harry Potter. Yes, okay, okay, yes, no, that's right. He's he not Gandalf. Yeah. Okay. And then Francis Fisher from Francis. who was Strawberry um, Alice in uh-huh. Unforgiven, also played um, Kate's mother or not kate uh rose's mother in titanic oh that's right that's <laughs> yeah. right rose's mother in titanic okay okay yeah oh i'm so terrible at this yeah game. no that's fine you did oh uh, well you did you, you got through it <laughs> <laughs> yeah so let's get into the losers because unforgiven did win the best picture oscar for 1992 okay. and there were four other um, okay. movies that it prevailed over okay um, do you remember oh, yeah. A Few Good Men? I do. I've seen that one uh, probably more than, at least twice, if not more. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, this is a, Rob Reiner directed it. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, he's on quite a streak there, and it's a, a military um, courtroom drama. I watched another Rob Reiner film this week. Yes. Yeah. Um, the in, prince, in the theaters. He directed The Princess Bride. He was on, yes. had such a... A streak in the late 80s, early 90s. With, yeah. uh, this is Spinal Tap. Um, oh, that's his too? Yeah. He oh, did. This is Spinal Tap, Stand By Me. Wow. The Princess Bride, When Harry Met Sally. Oh. Misery, and then A Few Good Men. I've never heard of Misery, but. Yeah. Um, experienced it. But... <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, Misery's great. In fact, I, I, I would put. A few good men at the bottom of that list. Uh, but then he just um, really kind of dried up. And I, I don't know. Just, uh, I think his last really good movie was An American President a few years after this. Okay. So Michael Douglas won with the, I think you saw it. Independence Day. No, Michael Douglas plays the president at Benning is like yes, a I did lobbyist. See that. That, yeah. Uh, at any rate, uh, you like A Few Good Men? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah, that um, last courtroom scene, of course, was is just fireworks. Yeah, um, Jack think... Nicholson is pretty. Uh, yeah, he's great. Everything. So, I mean, the two of them with Tom Cruise, they play off each other so well in that they scene. They really do. Why yeah. is that? Um, well, they're both great actors, and uh, is it okay it's to very say useful. I think I think a lot of people could have done the Demi Moore stuff. Oh, totally. I okay, mean, that, that's okay to that say. role is so forgettable. Yeah. Um, it's not really her fault. It's just a very underwritten character. Um, yeah. I think this is a Aaron Sorkin screenplay based on a play that he wrote. Oh, okay. Uh, have his terrific dialogue. I think... He's known as, for dialogue. Yes. His dialogue's incredible. Even here, um, I think he does get better at plotting. I think this movie is just kind of um, lame. In terms of the plot mechanics, like it just there's not a lot of setup. It's just kind of repetitive until it gets to that explosive scene at the end. Oh, yeah, that's what I remember about it. 
Well, yeah, that's what everybody remembers. And, uh, you know, yeah. I don't want to poo poo it too much because that is an effective scene and it's an enjoyable enough movie. But you can't handle I, the truth. I know. Uh, uh, per- yeah, exactly. So you're I glad it didn't win? Uh, yeah, I, I don't think it should have been anywhere near the nominations, but um, it was. Kevin Bacon was in that movie. Yes, that's very useful. It's a very useful movie <laughs> so for the useful... uh, yes. Kevin Bacon game because uh-huh. there's. Uh, a lot of people in it. Yeah. Uh, the Crying Game was also one of the losers this year. Um, mm. I'm sure you haven't seen that. I have not seen heard it. of it. I don't know if I've heard of it. Yeah, I mean, this movie just kind of came out of nowhere. It's a small Irish drama about the Irish Republican Army. Um, Stephen Ray, Irish actor Stephen Ray, plays an IRA agent yeah early in the movie he takes a political prisoner and ends up kind of befriending him and then uh when he goes back to ireland um you know goes to deliver a message to that guy's girlfriend and and uh develops a relationship and then there's really shocking plot twist and a lot of political intrigue and so um this movie it's a English, an Irish English movie okay. that was kind of flopped in England, I think just because of the politics of it were close to home, uh, but became a smash hit in America. So okay. one of the 20 highest grossing movies in 1992. Um, shockingly, because Miramax just was the studio behind it. We've talked about them before. Uh-huh. That's the studio headed by the Weinsteins. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ever heard of them? Uh, yeah, uh, it's terrible, but really great at marketing. This is where they really put themselves on the map because uh, they okay. marketed the plot twist and promoted it as the movie everyone is talking about, but no one's giving away its secrets. And so there's kind of an urgency to try to get to oh. it before it spoils. Oh. Yeah. So, so what do you think? Worth watching? I haven't seen it since 1992. I was going to watch it again this week, but I had a hard time finding it. I don't think think it's the type of movie you'd enjoy but um i you know really i spend 30 some odd years have i, I surprised you in any of them so far of movies that i enjoyed that you didn't think i would enjoy oh yeah oh i have okay uh platoon oh yeah that was surprising definitely was surprising <laughs> um i i mean um, it's not like i would watch that all the time but no no i, I was worried about how you would take the departed but you liked that uh-huh um, yeah, I think you surprised me on a few of them. Yeah, okay. you're growing a lot. I'm growing. <laughs> yeah, so that's the, the crying game. Uh, Son of a Woman was oh, another. I have heard of this movie. Yeah. I don't this think is... I've seen it. Um, yeah, I wouldn't recommend it. Right, is that Al Pacino? Recently. Yeah, Al Pacino plays a blind, cantankerous... Uh, retired uh, colonel. Oh, I definitely am. I don't. That doesn't yeah. sound familiar at all. And Chris O'Donnell. Uh, Chris O'Donnell is a uh, prep school kid who, um, to make some extra money, he takes a a job kind of caretaking this cantankerous person, and then it's kind of a coming of age buddy picture. Um, <sighs> that it's two hours and forty minutes. 
That's a long movie. That's really long. And, you know, Amadeus was three hours, and I love that. But, you know, this isn't, it doesn't have that epic scope. This is just kind of a buddy movie. So that's, like, really, really plotting, I think, for a movie of this style. To okay. just keep going on like this. I, I watched, watched again fairly recently and just had a, had a hard time okay. staying with it. It's... So, so far, this a, isn't like the stellar lineup. No. No, but I do love Howard's End. Okay. Which is an adaptation of the great E.M. Forster novel from the early 20th century. E.M. Forster is a British novelist. Are you familiar at all with the novel or E.M. Forster? No, not really. Okay. Um... Yeah, he was a novelist that really had these incisive takes on British, like this post-Victorian, maybe Edwardian um, social hierarchies in England. Uh, he was, uh, he's a British guy. He's, I think, openly gay, or at least maybe as it was then, like an open secret uh-huh. type of thing. Uh, so he did kind of have that perspective as an outsider and I think made it him kind of um, in, incisive or in, in insightful as to you know, like the um, hypocrisies in society. Mm-hmm. And this is a terrific movie. Um, he was, Ian Forster was kind of all the rage at this time. Um, we talked about last week, one of the losers to Amadeus was A Passage to India, right. which was an Ian Forster novel. And then um, uh, Room with a View was also a Best Picture nominee, losing to Platoon. So we talked about that a while ago. So how does this compare to like a Jane Austen novel? The novel? I mean, the movies. uh, It looks like. I I think it's wonderful. It's. This is one of my favorite literary adaptations. I just love how it I really find it involving. I, I just love the characters and um, how everything comes together. I mean, Jane Austen, I think, is one of the great novelists. Uh, you know, I, I don't even know what would be my favorite Jane Austen movie. But did Howard's but End is, become a, a TV show? Uh, I think there was a British miniseries, but okay. I'm not familiar mm. with it. It seems to me the most famous adaptation. It really it introduced a lot of audiences to Emma Thompson, who mm-hmm. plays the lead role. Okay. Um, she had been in a few other things with with Kenneth Branagh, who was her husband at the time. Uh, but here she co-stars with Anthony Hopkins, coming off an Oscar for The Silence of the Lambs. Which we'll see. Which we'll see, yes. Uh, Vanessa Redgrave, a very early role for Helena Bonham Carter. Oh, yes. Yeah. That's what um, I was So terrific. I, I really like Howard's End. But I really love the year 1992 because there's a lot of really, a lot of movies that didn't make the best picture lineup. Oh. I just have so much nostalgia for. Uh huh. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. Some I good think ones. Um, The Player by Robert Altman and Malcolm X by Spike Lee are two that were kind of in the mix to maybe get a Best Petra nomination and kind of get upset by A Few Good Men and Son of a Woman. I think those are much more worthy. 
Uh, but you also have like Quentin Tarantino's first movie with Reservoir Dogs that came out this year. It really didn't make a whole lot of uh, a splash until uh, got a lot more attention once Pulp Fiction came out, and uh, now it's probably one of his more acclaimed movies. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But my cousin Vinny was this year. My which, cousin Vinny uh, just what? has a much sharper take on the legal profession than, <laughs> than, than a few Oh, Vinny's. really? Okay, so yes. that's although I have no. Um, I work in the legal profession. I have don't really know nothing about military justice. Uh-huh. So, uh, but still, it's <laughs> absurd. Uh, my cousin Vinny is just. A, I mean, it looks. I mean, you see the previews in nineteen ninety two. It looks terrible. Really, it's so yeah. great. It but holds it up is. beautifully, and it's like you don't think. Um, like, you know, here's this kind of fish out of water comedy, and it stars like. Joe Pesci and the <laughs> yeah. guy from the Monsters, oh, and right. Marissa Tomei, and it's not like well, and I know she won an Oscar people. for this role. Yes, a lot she of did. people. I've heard that there was controversy that people thought it was should have gone to somebody else. Or... Yeah, well, we'll get into that in, we? in a bit. Okay. Yeah, uh, but I mean, she's she's hilarious in it. I I really love, and and it, it's it's just kind of a a sweet movie that kind of as a fish out of water. It's kind of even-handed about making fun of both sides, like the New York City people and the Mm -hmm. backcountry rooms. And it's not like they're trying to railroad these two guys. It's like they they still want justice, Mm -hmm. but they think they're guilty. Yeah. Right? It's not like they're all corrupt. Yeah. And Fred Wren is also great. He gets kind of overlooked as the judge. From the monsters. Oh, that, okay, yeah. Yeah. What's his name? Fred Gwynn. Oh, I didn't yeah. even know that's what yeah. his name was. Yeah, I mean, he was in the monsters. Just her monster. And he's I the love judge. his. Uh... What? <laughs> what did you say? Ute. What's yeah. a ute? Uh, but the biggest moneymaker of the year, surpassing even the Batman sequel, was Aladdin. Aladdin. Uh. I helped that. Yeah. I went to go see that in the theater. Mm -hmm. Laura, let's see. We saw that at the very end of the year, so I don't know when it came out. Yeah, it came out around Thanksgiving. Yeah, so so we saw it, you know, at the end of the year. Laura loved it. She was only one. She wasn't even two yet. She was only one. She sat through the whole thing. It was wonderful. And then I feel like Adam was back from deployment, Mm -hmm. and he... Uh, spent most of the time with CJ, who was an yeah. infant, in the lobby. <laughs> but uh, of but course, we've seen it fourteen million times since. Then. <laughs> yes, very watchable movie. It's so Robin great. Williams. Robin Williams. Really uh, yeah, a league of their own. Uh, I think very really that holds up well. I, I just, yeah. you know, I've never heard of the women's baseball league before yeah. this. But it's not just like a historical drama. It's like you really have. A, Builds up a lot of stakes for these uh, yeah. these women, and uh, probably the best Madonna performance in a movie. Yeah, and there's a lot of quotable. There's no crying in baseball. That's from this oh yeah, movie. yeah. Tom Hanks, um, the, yeah. the train moves and not the station. Yeah. <laughs> By John Lovitz. See, John Lovitz was yeah. great in this movie. Yeah, and then sister. So, uh, 
Okay. I'm getting Sister Act just this year. Sister Act. Yeah. I Lots don't of... think really a Best Picture contender, but uh, funny watched, movie. It's I've really watched watchable. it several times. Another movie where you see the preview and they're like, oh, that looks so terrible. But yeah. uh, Whoopi Goldberg's hilarious. Yeah, really hilarious. Yeah. And how many times have we heard the Sister Act version of these Marian hymns? You know? Hail Holy Queen? Yes. Um, yeah. I've heard it in the movie. Yeah. I Will Follow You. That I mean, oh, yeah. I, you haven't well, been at church song. where they've done that? No. I've been at church events where they've done that several times. Oh, okay. That should be interesting. So now when they play it, I expect for it to be the sister. <laughs> so is this Mike? No, what's his name? The Batman. Is this... Um, Tim the, Burton? Oh, Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton? Yes. This is his last Batman. He only okay. played the first two Batmans. So this relates to another best picture that we watched is Birdman. Birdman, yes. Oh, yeah. exactly. Right. Yeah, because okay. it was really about his no longer doing that. Is that yeah. Nicole Kidman? No, that's Michelle Pfeiffer as the Catwoman. Oh, movie. Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, okay. she's great. Nicole Kidman was in the third Batman movie. Okay. And Danny DeVito played the Penguin. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah so kind of a stack here. Yeah, that's, that is a lot that's of... Too. So I know a lot of movies from this time, just not the Oscar lineup. Okay. It's a hell of a thing killing a man. Take away all he's got, and all he's ever got on that. Yeah. Oh, I guess they had it coming. We all have it coming. Yes. So, Bonnie, what is Unforgiven about? I should have thought about that because you always ask me that question. Yeah. So, Unforgiven is about the Clint Eastwood character. His name is Money. Will Money. Yeah. And he plays this guy who used to be this uh, really big, I don't know what do you call him, criminal, Old West. Um, yeah, like a gunslinger. Guns, yeah. yeah, like not in a Killer. good way. Yeah, <laughs> assassin, yeah. kind of, yeah. you know, anti hero, right? Who yeah. then gets married and his wife tames him. So we're seeing yes. him year fifteen years later, maybe, mm-hmm. and uh, he but, uh, probably not fifteen years because the kids are um, younger than that. No, I mean fifteen years after his oh, right, right, right. Okay, yeah. days, yeah. Um, and he uh, goes on this sort of vigilante justice right thing because they're these two bad guys that had stabbed a prostitute yeah and were not held you know the the prostitutes didn't feel like justice had been served with their punishment so they mm-hmm. put out a, a bounty on them and so he was through this series of events follows he and his former partner who's Morgan Freeman and then this young guy who I don't know who he is, who went right. out, set out to get this bounty and, and kill the guys that have done this. So, uh, Gene Hackman plays the town sheriff. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's what it's about. Okay. So, what did you make of Unforgiven? Yeah, so it's, I hadn't thought about what I made about it until you said before how I've grown because I do think <laughs> that uh, I. 
it's not really, I don't really like Westerns in okay, general. Right. And this is not the kind of movie that I really like. But I did appreciate some some themes in this movie. It's yes. got some really intriguing themes of, mm-hmm. you know, about, mor- you know, morality and, and justice. And, yes. and, you know, what is, a, even the title, you know, un, Unforgiven. I've yeah. been kind of pondering, you know, what, you know, why'd they choose that title? Mm-hmm. Is it that he'd, and, and who's, you know, reformation and not reformation and can people change? Right. Or do they only, you know, or do they only stuff it in? And then who, I don't know, there's all sorts yeah. of interesting themes that I've, I found, you know, so do I prefer my cousin Vinny? This is, <laughs> this is another movie that I'm I'm kind of intrigued by, but. Yeah, I I uh, I quite like this movie. Um, as far as the title goes, uh, well, first of all, I think it's it's just an improvement over the working titles that it had originally. I think the script was written actually in the seventies and was kind of in production limbo for mm-hmm. decades. Um, but I think the first title was the um, Will Money Murders. And then uh, for a while it was it was uh, known as the Cut Horse Murders, which I think would be a terrible title. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as Unforgiven, it's it's almost it, it, it's. I think the surprise. Um, in the movie, is that it's kind of set up like a redemption arc. Where you have this guy with this mm-hmm. burden of the past, so it's right. like okay, here's this he's going to go on that's going to he can gives him a chance to kind of redeem himself from the sins of his past and really by the end of it oh what we're kind of left with is just the man who's accumulated more baggage or more stuff that he's just not going to be able to forgive himself for yeah and and so it kind of undercuts that kind of western mythos deconstructing that kind of quest narrative yeah and also it deconstructs heroes mm-hmm. uh yeah because uh, really the the bad guy is the tough on crime lawman right gene hackman yeah he almost always is yeah well what's interesting is who's the good guy in this movie you know they're really right. they're really, really not <laughs> there's really not any. I I kind of love how even the victims are prostitutes, right? Are yeah. you know are there sex so workers? It's, yeah, right. I mean or, that's yeah. that's a that's a proper yeah. term. Billiard employers. Billiard <laughs> employers. No, I mean, but they're, no, they are. They're you know so it's it it's um it that's why it's so intriguing is it doesn't try to take the easy way out. Even the people who are trying to do good, right, have some ulterior motive. Exactly. Yeah. At almost uh, Machiavelli, you know, the doing, doing wrong so that, you know, good can prevail. Right. Right. Okay. Uh, including the, as you say, the sex workers. You know, because right. they're, you know, maybe they're prisoners, maybe they're being held, but they're also. Well, 
you know, yeah, who I mean, knows? There's that's such a complicated, you know, right. whether they have free will or or whatever. Maybe or what other capacity do they have to make a living? What that, other capacity do they have to make like, a living? And that how they get there, we don't know. We don't know. But you can kind of say that about most yeah. most people, right? No, exactly. Yeah. So it makes it more interesting that these. It's much more interesting that these are prostitutes right. that who are actually, you know, doing this as their um, and, and effectively scrounging away money right you know so mm-hmm. they're they actually are you know making money and mm-hmm. i love how they um throughout the movie are are given agency and insist yes. on their agency they do right yeah which is which is pretty powerful the lawman is he, he is the bad guy right he's right. but he's not you know, no guns in the town or whatever the the rules are. You know, yeah. he's his motivations are impure, obviously. Right. But you can also envision a version of the same plot where he's the hero. Because right. he's very tough on crime and he's um, incredibly brutal. Yeah. Uh, but really, everyone he abuses has violated the law in some way or yeah. another. It's right. not to justify yes. it, but it's something yes. like in another movie where you don't see the humanity in the people he's beating, that he's just like, you know, you because, you know, he does have a vested interest in cramping down on this kind of vengeance um, vigilante culture yeah, and not wanting to, um, you know, his, his role is to instill justice. Right. right, not to defend him, but right. he no, is somebody exactly. who, in a different movie, the would be the yeah. the hero. And I think his motivations are in a way more defensible than Will Money's, who is in it mm-hmm. for the money, really. Right. He's um, in it for the money, and we can see why because he's trying to care for his kids, and the hogs are Which sick, and also makes yeah. it more makes the whole thing more nuanced because we have that. They make it more interesting by making it murder, right? right? But if it had just been stealing food to feed your children because you're poor, yeah. you know, we all kind of give somebody a... Yeah, that's well, Jean Valjean, right? Yeah, <laughs> and, and give a pass for that. Well, that right. might be illegal, but it's not immoral. Exactly. But this makes it more, again, interesting and intriguing because it's we'd all kind of agree that killing is immoral. Right. It's, it is wrong, right? So even if you have a good motivation, it's still wrong. Yeah. And his motivation is to feed his family. And, I mean, just from those opening scenes, you can see why Strawberry Alice is motivated to seek her own justice mm-hmm. because um, it's it's brutal what they do to this poor who seems uh, we don't really know how she was before this incident but mm-hmm. you know seems to be the the most uh, vulnerable of the of the women there mm-hmm. right uh, she has probably the kindest heart of anyone yeah. in the movie uh, silly I think we said stab she is or maybe yeah. her face is cut up so she, yeah um, yeah, uh, we don't yeah. really see her normal face right. in the movie. 
Yeah, although she's still beautiful after oh, the she is beautiful. Stabbing. Yeah, yeah well, and also I think, but, but well, just to go back to that when um, you you see Gene uh, Hackman as Little Bill comes in to deal with the justice. I mean, it's it's it just it it smacks of like these women are property, and yeah. that's how he sees it. Yes, but. You know, he is in a kind of a no-win situation because what what do you do? You know, she wants them hanged, and you know, it is that justice, or you know, put them. What do you do with them if you don't have like a you don't have a prison system right. like that we have now? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know, is whipping them that much better, or what? You know, how do we handle that? But what's uh, going back to the theme of forgiveness, really the only time in the movie we see somebody in a way even close to asking for forgiveness or trying to make amends is when the guy's partner, one of the two guys that was let off easy, actually brings back an Mm. extra pony for the woman that was cut up Mm-hmm. Above and beyond the sentence that they were given, yeah. uh, because presumably he feels bad for it. Yeah, and and this guy didn't, you know. I mean, he was with another um, prostitute. I think he was with Strawberry right. Alice, so right. didn't actually do that or condone right. it, right. but was just with his his yeah. buddy, and that kind of act of. Of penance for what it's worth uh, was just kind of uh, thrown away, right? Yes. Strawberry Alice, for reasons that we completely understand, says yeah. no, that's that's ridiculous, right? And I, uh, I tried to check on my rewatch, but I I think that the horse that he wants to give her that they send him away with is the horse that crushes him later. Oh. Yes. But it's hard to tell if that yeah. is the same horse because yeah. it's not really made a point right. of. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it is interesting that that's the first guy who's killed. The, yeah. And he's murdered mm-hmm. uh, in a way that's just very um, hard to watch. Yeah. Uh, just kind of uh, gets shot in the belly and, yeah. you know, it's screaming for water. Yeah. Yeah, and... Yeah, there's so many interesting things about about that. You know, you had the three guys going out for the bounty, and the most reluctant of them, you know, mm-hmm. is the one who actually does it. Right. Yes. The other two are are more gung ho. I mean, the even the Morgan Freeman, he seems more, you know, heading into it. It's he seems less conflicted. Right. You know the uh, the cliff. Clint Eastwood character is is so like his wife who's passed wouldn't like this right you know mm-hmm. he's changed for her and then all the way mm-hmm. through you're like you know is has he really changed or is he just yeah. did he just stop doing those things because she wouldn't approve right yeah. and it's kind of unresolved by the end it is. you know right. that you you know you could argue it both ways. Right. But he's the one who actually, you know, they both kind of can't go through with it. So the one that's the least reticent 
or the le- the the most reticent is the one who actually kills him, but he's also the one that says, "Go get him water. I'm mm-hmm. not going to kill you. Right. You know, go mm-hmm. go tend to him." And he he's the least vengeance seeking, right? Out of everybody who's actually doing this. Yeah. The other big thing that I I was thinking about in this movie is it's in 1992. So right. well before social media, but there's well so before. many social media, like fake news things that Ooh, that right. are are. This movie is kind of prescient about it, right. and I think particularly about the um, the newsman who's oh. writing mm-hmm. a story about this great character, right? Right. And about this great gunslinger character heroic guy which is this english bob english bob right Mm -hmm. and throughout the course of this he realizes that he's been completely duped yes and and then he but he but he kind of gets duped twice in this he does right right. and 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 it's so much like our social media today it's hard all you know are the voices that are coming at you. And this guy's only mm-hmm. after the truth, but the yeah. truth, somebody right. sincerely seeking the truth can also be diminished if you're only hearing mm-hmm. whoever's the loudest voice coming at you at the time. Yeah. Well, do you think he's after the truth or is he after He's the, after the story. Yeah, the story yeah. that's going to sell... The, yes, um, and I, I love how that manif- his kind of change of perspective is manifested in the screenplay because you have his book is called The Duke of Death, right? <laughs> and uh, little Bill sees it and calls it the Duck of Death, right? Right, uh, which is kind of a little gag, little, but you see, little as, Bill is the Gene Hackman, yeah, right. As uh, Beauchamp, this this. Uh, novelist guy is changing his perspective on English Bob, he starts calling him Duck. Yeah, oh, yeah. As a, like he goes, right. oh, so then the Duck, I mean Duke. Yes. Yeah, so you yeah. can see like it's 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 belittling this legend of the Duke of Death that he's really just all washed up. And, and it also shows the, the distinction in perspective and you know, because the this, this what he he called the Duke of Death. Yeah. You know, is a big deal and was, people did fear him until you put him next to Little Bob, who's Gene yeah. Hackman. Then Bill. it's like Little Bill, right? Mm-hmm. Then it then it's like, well, next to him, it's not so much of a deal. And then, and then Gene Hackman next to Clint Eastwood yeah. is also diminished, and that's where it just kind of reminded me of this whole. Social media, mm-hmm. you know, finding out the, you know, how people sort of get all puffed up. Yeah. You know, and a lot of it is like fake puff up and then you can see them diminish. Well, you right. don't always see them diminish. It's developing a narrative. Right? It's developing mm-hmm. a narrative, right? Yeah. And that, you know, and, and mostly it doesn't. And it also this, it's like modern day, probably not just modern day, but politics in general, where you have people of varying motivations, varying impure motivations, they're all kind of either start out bad or become corrupted. Right. And it's just like this is, it's really like all politics. 
Yeah. It's like the, you know, the the conflict that we have going on in the Middle East, but it could be mm. any conflict. And then it, it's... Death and killing is something that needs to be reckoned with. It has yeah. consequences. And so it's so, you know, that's one of the legacies that kind of, I think, Hanus was grappling with with the Western, which is the genre he's been always associated with, is this, you know, it's kind of... Heroic, someone gets in your way, you just kind of yeah. shoot them down. But here when you know somebody is shot, there is an actual consequence. There's a yeah. weight to the death. Yeah. And so... That changes yeah, people. That changes people, yeah. right? And you get in this kind of cycle of violence because, you know, Strawberry Alice wants these two guys dead, but their, their deaths mean something and they create other consequences and you know there's kind of this huge body count that accumulates from just this thing that starts off as um you know the uh unfortunate encounter in a brothel right yeah yeah and and you know so when people try to take politics nowadays and mm-hmm. simplify it as to like, here's the good team and here's the bad team. Yeah. You know, you have like false divisions mm-hmm. that are created and false narratives that are created because it's not like that. I love that's why I love mm-hmm. that quote that you played at the beginning. Oh right. Yes. Yeah. It's really very profound, you know, he's grappling with it. Then he tries well, to rationalize it. No, the other, the young guy yeah. tries to rationalize it. And then he's like, well, I, I guess he had it coming, though. You know, mm-hmm. I did this terrible thing. I'm, I'm out. Right. I can't, you know, I'm, I feel, I, I had no idea I would feel this way for, yeah. you know, I shot this guy, which is what I had intended to do. But I shot him while he was in this terribly vulnerable position. Mm-hmm. I don't feel heroic like I thought I was going right. to. Right, and he's someone who had filled his mind up with the narratives. He had filled his mind up with all these narratives, right? Yeah. And then it's not quite what he thought. And and then but then he tries to rationalize it, and he's like, but I guess he had it coming. And then Clint right. Eastfield's, you know, he's like, well, we all have it coming. Yeah. It's... Yeah, I, I do. And I also like how it, the movie plays with our expectations where we um, kind of expect the heroic turn like then the first confrontation yeah. between little Bill and Will Mooney interesting that they have the same name yeah. Bill and Will yeah. William but you're, you're thinking oh he's he's faking a fever and he's gonna eventually bust out the guns, and there's gonna yeah. be this huge fight out here. Yeah. And then he realizes he just gets he just gets beaten. He, yeah. Like he actually does have a fever, and yeah. people get sick. And what are you gonna yeah. do? And and kind of has to stumble out of the of yeah. the saloon a loser. Yeah. And you know, even later on in the movie, he does kind of have a heroic shootout that's just kind of unsatisfying. You do get the hint of, oh, little Bill's still alive. There's going to be this yeah. big confrontation, and yeah. and almost makes it worse because now he kills him just not in self defense at right. all, which you could definitely. And he argue starts first. drinking again. Yes, 
Excuse me. Yeah, and that's that's a nice because in that clip I played, the kid is drinking from a whiskey bottle. Yeah, and then when um, Will finds out that his partner has been killed. Yeah. And kind of put out like a decoration. Yeah. Um, he he reaches for the whiskey bottle that his friend has, and it's kind of a the movie doesn't bring a lot of attention to that moment, yeah, but it's, it's like that's the yeah that's the thing that's really what his wife must have cured him from. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's so. And then I kept expecting that he was going to get killed. Mm-hmm. I I figured it would either be. One way or the other, it was like he yeah. was going to get killed, or then maybe he's going to marry this or take this woman who had been stabbed because they, they have a they do a, have a connection. They they have a connection, and they both see the the humanity in the other. Right, and um, you know, yeah, in, and in he actually objects way. to um, the prostitution because it's uh, the selling. Right. flesh, right? Right. He says, yeah, he won't participate in that. Yeah. And, yeah, because he says because of his wife. Right. And she assumes that his wife is alive and, mm-hmm. you know, she's... Anyway, so she's not. And then not. his impure motivations actually end up working out for him, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, his, you know, the the... It ends up being kind of a Machiavelli, you know, this... The, the bad ends up bringing good. How so? With the ending of the movie. Yeah. Well, we don't really know, right? Well, I mean, they tell it's, you. It's in the print at the end. Yeah. Well, it's, I think the print says no one knows where he went, but it's like there's a rumor that he went off to okay. San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of like that, that yeah, yeah. book ending where... Um, it's almost both of them are centered on the wife that we never meet in the movie. Right. There's no flashbacks. Yes, it's right. all just stories or right. narrative. Mm-hmm. And both sections, the bookends, focus not just on her, but on her mother. So yeah. there's the a relation that we never see to the character that we never see. And her judgment of this guy, mm-hmm. she... Um, I guess we don't know so that she never she, made him, but right. So as far as she, he's not, he's that's true. He's yeah. unforgiven in the eyes of the mother. Right. He's completely unforgiven in the eyes of yeah. the mother. They indicate that he was able to take this money, use it, and better the life of his kids. Right. Which would mm-hmm. probably, I mean, as a grandmother, I would say, you know, yeah. that would be that would at least take some serious steps towards. Mm-hmm. Um, Doing that, but instead it's, yeah. you know, his, what he was, yeah, so that's interesting, what he was known for before he became famous and idolized yeah. for these bad things, and mm-hmm. then a the, an actual, just take out the murder and stuff at the end, but the actual good thing he does at the end right. is unrecognized. Yes. Yeah, because the wife's mother only knows the narrative like that she has right the yeah who she believes this guy is because she yeah. apparently lives far away and um yeah. just believes that he leads to the his her daughter's death uh-huh. um uh, but really from her perspective and what she cares about that 
he actually did do the right thing, that he did clean up his life and have build a family and take care of the family. Right. Um, yeah, but uh, she's, in, in a way, vindicated. Yeah, so I, I like Unforgiven quite a bit. Yeah. Um, so, do you have your limerick? Yes, I do. In a town where the whiskey's been given, a gunslinger's past is unforgiven. He rides for revenge which is sick, with a six shooters avenged in Clint's Wild West, crimes are driven. I mean, the crimes are driven yeah. part is the least. Okay. Yeah, but that's one of its better ones, I think. Oh, no, yours is better. Okay. Will money embarked on a quest in this dark, bloody tale of the West? As the body count rises, all one can surmise is that killing will make one depressed. That's very good. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, so Unforgiven got nine Oscar nominations. Okay. Uh, two acting nominations. Can you guess who? Um, Clint Eastwood and Morgan Freeman. No. Oh, Gene oh. Hackman. Yes. Okay. Yeah, Clint Eastwood lost Best Actor to Al Pacino for okay. Son of a Woman. That was his first Oscar win. Um, I think on his seventh or eighth nomination. Okay. And uh, Gene Hackman won Best Supporting Actor. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Emma Thompson won for Howard's End, Best Actress, and we already said that uh, Marissa Tomei. Tomei Who was the favorite for Supporting Actress? Because that was some sort of an upset. It was a big upset. Um, Judy Davis, a great Australian actress from the Woody Allen movie Husbands and Wives, uh, was the front runner, but there was also talk of Vanessa Redgrave, veteran actress from Howard's How End, and um, Joan Plowright, a, a, a great a veteran British actress from uh, a movie called Enchanted April, won the Golden Globe, so she was kind of in the mix. And then the other nominee was uh, Miranda Richardson from a movie called Damage, but the same year, she was also in Enchanted April and The Crying Game, which was the Best okay. Picture nominee. So she also has a case because she's in. she had a great year with uh-huh. three high-profile movies. So Marissa Tomei, actually, when the nominations came out, she wasn't on anybody's radar. So it was uh-huh. a real surprise when she was nominated. And so it was kind of a, a story between the announcement of the nominations and the ceremony that, you know, you have these... Four veteran uh, British slash Australian okay. Irish actresses, classically trained okay, uh, yeah. Shakespearean uh, actors, uh-huh. and this young New York actress who was kind of best known for being on uh, the Cosby Show spinoff, A Different World, before getting fired before the second season. <laughs> oh, I didn't and, know. I never watched A Different World, but. Uh, yeah, she was in the first season. Okay. I don't know. I think only white character okay. in it. Oh, um, uh, maybe yeah. I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah, and then she was fired by the second season. Yeah, so it was kind of, there was a lot of commentary about it's kind of funny to have her in with all the others. And um, one of these things just doesn't belong. Yeah, there was a, a really interesting uh, red carpet moment where. Rob Reiner going into the ceremony, uh, the person was saying, oh, and uh, A Few Good Men is up for Best Picture. Are you guys excited? And he goes, yeah, we have about as much of a chance as Marissa Tomei. Oh. 
And this was kind of a joke because everyone knew yeah. that she's not. But yeah. she did. She won. Uh, really shocking. And there was a, a rumor that Jack Palance read out the wrong name. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, it was not based on anything. It's just, uh-huh. you know, it's... We've had that happen. It's kind of the... Right. Where they read out the wrong name. Maybe we'll talk about that next week. Oh, we could. We'll probably talk. Yeah, yeah and so that kind of squat, that, that rumor kind of persisted, and the Academy always said, well, if someone reads out the wrong name, we're going to come out and correct it. Right. And people were like, yeah, right, they're not right. going to do that. Right. But now we know that they Now we know what that. happens when they read a wrong but name. We'll probably get into that pretty soon. Yeah. But yeah, but Marissa Tomei I, actually won. I thought she was fantastic. And, She's and... so funny. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, there's, yeah, she's great. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a great comic role. Um, Uh You know, the Judy Davis, I mean, and and Vanessa Redgrave are just much meatier roles. But she had to do a lot in My Cousin Vinny. She does. She kind of carries the end of the movie. I I think she's hilarious. Um, Yeah. I don't know that I would have voted for her that year, but you can kind of see how those other four may kind of cancel each other out. For And mm-hmm. with five nominees, I mean, you could win with like 20 to 23% of the vote, right? Uh-huh. right. If, if everyone's kind of, there's yeah. not a parity. So yeah. uh, who knows? We don't get the voting results. Right. Um, but I think people still watch My Cousin Vinny to this day. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, she was great. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's yes. good. Uh, I want to see if you can name the tune of the year's best song. Okay. Are you ready? I think you'll get this. I can show you the yes. world Shining, shimmering, splendid Tell me, princess, now when did you last? Yes. Yes. So, good job. Yeah. Aladdin. Obviously, one best song. Uh, It's not my favorite song from Aladdin. Yes, not mine either. Yeah. In other news, we have nothing left to choose from. This is your... You have to choose. Um, So, what do you think is coming up next? Um, Well, I'm, I'm rooting for Moonlight so that we could go right into the... Oscar thing, but I also yeah. have Parasite, The Best Years of Our Lives, Schindler's List, and Gone with the Wind. Yes. Yeah, I think Moonlight's coming up soon. Um, I'd like to see it make one more stop so that it matches its year and be kind of oh. symmetrical because it's it... from 2016. Oh, okay. But it won in 2017. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay. At okay. any rate, so I think at this point, I'm, I'm just going to do one guess. Because um, back in well, you have to replace. Band, no, I don't. You don't have to replace. Well, here's what I'm thinking. Because okay. we since our Birdman podcast was when we kind of drafted a list of who's what's coming up next, and we both have five, uh-huh. and we're getting points. Really unfair because you know you're because i know nothing right <laughs> and i i'm familiar with these movies and plus my own 
rankings contribute to it. Right. And I kind of okay. know what has bonus points and what doesn't. Uh-huh. Okay. That's um, true. And so... No wonder you're winning. Yeah. <laughs> and I've already kind of clinched the win in that sense. Because uh-huh. uh, I'm up by 12 and there's really only seven movies left that haven't been taken. Yeah. Uh, or eight. Uh, and, and really, of the ones left, it's like, I don't think any of them are going to be 17, really. And so... Mm-hmm. I'm, right. I think okay. you can stay with five, but I'm just okay. gonna I'm just gonna okay. do one pick that I think is coming All right. up next. You just do one pick. And I'm gonna do the Silence of the Lambs. Really? Yeah. Wow. We'll see okay. It. All right. Oh man. Yeah. I don't know if I'm ready for that. I did platoon though. You'll be fine with the Silence okay. of the Lambs. Well, I don't, I don't think it's as terrifying as No Country for Old Men. Oh really? That was very terrifying. It's uh, great. That guy is still like. I picture <laughs> yes. him and I'm like freaked out. Oh, oh moonlight. moonlight. Okay. I won, right? <laughs> yes. This is part oh. of the the role that I'm probably on. Yeah, one. so this will be an interesting discussion. Okay, about Moonlight. Moonlight. Yeah, I don't know anything about this movie. Yeah. Other than I've I've seen the Oscar thing, so I know yeah. it has a, a mostly black cast, if not an all-black cast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this will be an interesting test because in my experience, it's really it very beloved among film buffs, but casuals seem to really hate it. Oh. <laughs> um, but we'll see. It's... Well, it'll be a good test. I, I hope. I hope you. I hope you like it. Okay. Um, but you know, we'll okay. we'll discuss it next week. It's kind of uh, the style is kind of Nomadland. Okay. Okay. Uh, it's not a very similar to Nomadland, but just right. that yep. kind of uh, yeah. structure. Uh, so I don't think the Mean Girls will like it too much. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, hopefully you'll enjoy it, and okay. if not, we will. Talk about La La Land next, I mean, Moonlight next week. <laughs> um, Boy, Bonnie and Clyde, they just didn't have it. Oh, yeah. Well, we'll get all into that. That would be so fun. Hi. Just leaving now.